You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Disputes in life are inevitable. Let me give you the synonyms for inevitable. Certain, unavoidable, inescapable. There's no way you'll get away from it. In family, in life, in the church, it's just gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Because doctrinally, we see in a glass darkly. We wanna stay on the things that are sure and that we know clearly, like the gospel message. And personally, we are so imperfect. With so many different minds coming together in the church, disagreements are inevitable. If you aren't experiencing that in your relationship with your fellow believers, you likely aren't spending enough time with them. It's just going to happen. In today's message, Pastor Danny will challenge us to approach these disparities with the same grace that Jesus extended to you. It doesn't mean that you have to compromise on convictions. Just let the Spirit guide you and determine when it's a battle that's worth fighting. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Acts chapter 15 with today's edition of The Living Word. People that said, well, this is what Paul and those guys believe. Whether by prophecy or by word of mouth or by letter, asserting that the day of the Lord has already come. And Paul will go on there without reading all of it to say, that's not true. The people teaching that, that can't be true because he reminds them the lawless one has to come first. That's prophetic. That's prophesied. We know him as the Antichrist. He hasn't shown up. And so the day of the Lord can't have come because the Antichrist hasn't shown up yet. You get to 1 Timothy chapter 1. Verse three, right in the opening chapter, Paul says to Timothy, as I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, etc. These promote controversy, not love and unity. You get to 1 Timothy 4, verse one. The spirit clearly says that in later times, and we're in those later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. You know what one of the things is? That you're to abstain from certain kinds of food. We've had to deal with a teaching like that here a few years ago called Hallelujah Acres. There's an area down in Sarasota where you can go, you got cancer or something like that, you can go and they claim, and I don't doubt, that they have people healed through their diet. But their doctrine is not biblical because they teach that God never intended man to eat meat. And when we started to eat meat back after the flood, that's when all the cancer and the sickness and everything else started. That's not what the Bible says. Jesus declared all foods clean. Enjoy the steak, however you like it cooked. Thought I'd get a little more excitement on that one. <laughs> then you get to 2 Timothy 2, verse 15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, and who correctly handles the word of truth, the Bible. 
Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus who have departed from the truth. They say the resurrection has already taken place and they destroy the faith of some. Now we're not gonna get into all those things. The point is simply this. Doctrine can divide and sometimes doctrine should divide because there's some essentials that we need to debate and even fight over in a good way. The purity of the gospel message. I will debate and stand my ground until I see Jesus face to face. That you are not to add anything else to the gospel or you don't have the gospel. It's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. By grace are you saved through faith, period. You don't have to be baptized. You should be baptized. You don't have to do anything else except believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it, period. But there are things we shouldn't divide over. I think a Calvinist and an Arminianist should be able to worship in the same local church. You say, I don't even know what an Arminianist and a Calvinist is. You're so blessed. (laughs) And I'm not going to tell you if you don't know. You don't need to know. I think if you're pre-trib, mid-trib, pre-wrath, you say, I don't know what those things are either. Bless you. You ought to be able to have unity and you ought to be able to agree to disagree and don't be legalistic about it. Then there are issues in Romans 14, not going to turn there. I'll tell you what some of them are. I call them disputable matters. Some believe in one particular diet religiously. Talks about one believes you only eat vegetables and not meat. Well, if you believe that, fine, but don't look down on the one who eats meat. Religious days, drinking wine. You read Romans 14. Alcohol, it may be okay for one Christian, it may be not okay for the other. One person's got a problem with it. They come from a drunken background or whatever. You need to stay away from it. But that doesn't mean everybody needs to be a teetotaler. Now, I'm just telling you the Bible, all right? I'm telling you the Bible. Read Romans 14. It's right there. Dwight L. Moody was a great preacher in the past. He lived at the time of Charles Haddon Spurgeon, another great Baptist preacher. They became friends and enemies almost at the same time. D.L. Moody ribbed Spurgeon because Spurgeon smoked cigars. Spurgeon countered at Moody because he questioned Moody's eating habits because Moody was a fairly large man. Luther... Martin Luther, the Reformation. Martin Luther used to sit in the pubs and drink beer and talk theology with people. That's a fact of history. The point is simply this. There are some things that are essentials. There are some things that might be right for one and wrong for the other. But what God wants is decide what's essential and go to the death, defending that truth because it's essential. And there are other things that are not essentials and they again may be right for one and wrong for the other and don't divide over those things and don't fight over those things because otherwise you miss what God wants us to have and that's unity and that's love and that's peace. Hey, let me just simply say Hebrews 13, 9. Don't be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. We've had to deal with some around here. I'm not gonna get into them. Titus 3, avoid foolish controversies. And genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. Warn a divisive person who just wants to fight over the things, the non-essentials. Warn them. Then warn them a second time. After that, don't have anything to do with them. You don't want to hang around with a person like that. I'm not going to hang around with a person like that. I'm sticking with the things that are clear and essential. Now, I have an opinion. It's based on my experience. And here it is. Doctrinal disputes are easier to settle than the dispute that comes next in our text, and we haven't read it yet. 
Doctrinal disputes are easier to settle because if you're a real student of the word, you let the leadership of the church, as we've done here on many occasions, we had to deal with the teaching of Henry a few years ago, and all of our elders examined the teaching, and we, from scripture, pointed out all the errors in his teaching. We came to that conclusion, but it was from scripture. But watch what happens next in Acts chapter 15, verse 36. We don't have a lot more to read, just a few more. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement. Pause. I go back to verse 2, chapter 15, when we began. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate. And now Paul and Barnabas are having a sharp disagreement. Such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark, sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and left commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Some commentators say this was the will of God for Paul and Barnabas to split up because it doubled their missionary efforts. I, that, I just think that's crazy. I think this is a division and a parting of company that was not the will of God and it should not have happened. How could this disagreement, this dispute, have been settled? Very simply, as we have seen, Initially, Barnabas is the leader of the ministry team of Barnabas and Saul, which later became Paul and Barnabas. And I think scripture bears evidence that Paul became the leader. He certainly became the chief speaker. We know that from verses we read in the last couple of weeks. This disagreement, what's unique about it versus a doctrinal disagreement, is neither one of them could turn to a scripture and say, no, here's the reason we need not to take John Mark. No, here's the reason we should take John Mark. And at this point, beginning in chapter 16, the Holy Spirit does not follow the ministry of Barnabas. We have no more record of Barnabas in his ministry. But he does follow the ministry of Paul. And we have at the end of chapter 15, that statement, verse 40, commended by the believers to the grace of God. Here you have the church putting their stamp of approval and the Holy Spirit as well. Barnabas should have submitted. Paul will later reinstate John Mark. We know that. But at this point, Paul says no. Not time yet. He deserted us. Not coming. And they have such a sharp disagreement that they part company. I've said for years, and I still believe it, ministry and even church, it's like a marriage. How many of you, whether you're married or not, you have at some point in life, maybe even very recently, have such a sharp disagreement, dispute with someone, and you are so convinced you are right and they are wrong. Come on, help me out. Let me see your hands. Everybody else just chooses not to raise their hand or you're a liar. How many of you just raised your hand or married? Look at that. I think that's a majority. If you look at the relationship between Paul and Barnabas as a marriage and understand the principle behind it, they're now separated. They're headed for divorce. And it didn't have to happen. And it should not have happened. I don't want to insult your intelligence. A dispute is a disagreement, an argument, or a debate. You know how different we are? Let's just start with the male and female. You talk about different. One foolish husband said to his wife, honey, you stick to the washing, ironing, cooking, and cleaning. No wife of mine is going to work. You talk about a skewed perspective. You let him take over the things for a week or so. 
A fellow was once thinking of how sailors referred to ships as she and her. He often wondered, and he was thinking about this, and he thought, what gender computers might be addressed as? So he set up two groups of computer experts, the first comprised of women, the second of men. Each group was asked to recommend whether computers should be referred to in the feminine gender or the masculine gender. They were asked to give four reasons for their recommendation. The group of women reported that computers should be referred to in the masculine gender because, and when I've taught, mentioned these things before, I usually just say them, but I put them on the PowerPoint for you. Masculine, why? Number one, in order to get their attention, you have to turn them on. (laughs) Two, they have a lot of data but are still clueless. (laughs) Three, they're supposed to help solve problems, but half the time they are the problem. (laughs) And I love number four, as soon as you commit to one, you realize if you'd have waited a little longer, you could have had a better model. The men concluded computers should be referred to in the feminine gender, and they give their four reasons. Number one, no one but the creator understands their internal logic. (laughs) Number two, the native language they use to communicate with other computers is incomprehensible to everyone else. (laughs) Number three, even your smallest mistakes are stored in long-term memory for later retrieval. I know that one's true. And then number four, as soon as you commit to one, you find yourself spending half your paycheck on accessories for it. (laughs) Now, since my wife is in London with my daughter, let me tell you some things about my wife that I don't understand. I don't understand why she loves pillows so much. I lived with one pillow on my bed for years. I got married, we'd had 18. That had no purpose, no purpose except to look at, put on the bed in the morning and take off at night to get back in the bed. Thank God she's compromised. We're down to eight. And that doesn't include the two we sleep on. Men generally, I'm speaking generally here, are made to conquer, conquer, conquer. That's why, that's why on, a, on a trip with the family, we want quick stops. And sometimes we, we want the kids, just take, here, here's a bottle. You don't need to potty, potty right there. We got to get there. My wife takes no pride in not asking for directions when we're lost. Thank God for my new phone. I finally learned how to work it. There's a lady that lives on my phone. She tells me where to go. And she's 99 times out of 100 right. She's taken me across Canada. She took me around Baltimore this last few days. She just tells me where to go. And I'm like, man, other than my wife, this is a wonderful woman. (laughs) Except that I don't understand my wife in a lot of ways. She won't watch cops with me. Because she's away. I went home last night. You know what? I watched cops. And after cops, guess what I watched? I watched the UFC special. She never watched. She's watched UFC with me once. She doesn't have the same sexual drive as I do. I don't understand that at all. She wouldn't care if I sold the boat tomorrow. She could care less. Can you understand that kind of thinking? (laughs) Let me tell you some biological things about men and women. And and we're going to move on real quickly. But look, women have four-fifths of a gallon of blood in their body while men have 1.5 gallons. That's generally speaking, that's why men can work longer generally and harder than women. You got more blood. Women, 20% of their body weight is muscle, while for men, 40% is muscle. That's why it's generally speaking harder for women to lose weight, generally speaking. You know men's bones are heavier? Their skulls are thicker? That's biologically true. They wired microphones to girls and boys ages two to four years old and recorded sounds they made. 100% of the girls' sounds had something to do with conversation, while only 60% with the boys. 40% of the noises boys made were non-language sounds. Bang, bang, bang. You know, that kind of thing. 
You give a boy a stick, usually that boy will make a weapon out of the stick. You give a girl a stick, she'll take a mop head and put on top of it and start talking to it. Now, you you say, how in the world do you get something on marriage and men and women out of the text? The point is, we are so different, not just the sexes. We have different personalities. We have different giftings from God. Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas, the son of encouragement, he has the gift of encouragement. No wonder he's ready to forgive John Mark. Not only because John Mark is his cousin, but he has the gift of encouragement. Paul don't have that. Here's the bottom line, bottom line. Disputes in life are inevitable. Let me give you the synonyms for inevitable. Certain, unavoidable, inescapable. There's no way you'll get away from it. In family, in life, in the church, it's just going to happen. It's going to happen. Because doctrinally, we see in a glass darkly. We want to stay on the things that are sure and that we know clearly, like the gospel message. And personally, we are so imperfect. So in closing, biblical suggestions for ending disputes. And the first one is this. Don't be legalistic about non-essential or unclear doctrine. Second, realize disputable matters based on Romans chapter 14. Third, submit based on God-ordained authority. First Peter 2.13, let me read it. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. Kids, you're still at home and under the authority of your parents, Whenever there's a dispute, I'll tell you how to end the dispute. Do what they say. Do what the scripture says. Obey your parents. First, the first commandment with a promise. Did you know that? Obey your parents in the Lord so that your life may be long on the earth. They might kill you. (laughs) But that principle of authority goes in, in every area of life. Ephesians, I know, I understand, ladies, but Ephesians 5.22 is pretty clear. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as unto the Lord. Now, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. Nevertheless, government, you might not agree with what the, the laws that are made, but unless they're telling you to disobey clear scripture and go out of the will of God, pay your taxes, show honor, respect. The context of 1 Peter, the context gives Christ as the example, did not retaliate, submitted all the way to the cross. The context of that is, Submit to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. Acts 23, Paul the apostle is before the supreme court of his day, the Sanhedrin. And the high priest, in breaking the law, he does it. He breaks the law and he commands that Paul be struck, even though he's done nothing to deserve it. And somebody near him, in obedience to the high priest, strikes Paul, slaps him. Paul says, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. And then somebody says, you dare insult the high priest? And then Paul quotes scripture as he apologizes. I did not know he was the high priest, for it is written, do not speak evil of the rulers that God has given you. You talk about somebody that submitted, even though he didn't deserve the treatment he's getting. The second king of Israel, King David, before he took the throne, is running for his life from the first king of Israel, Saul. And on more than one occasion, David had an opportunity to take his enemy out and his his men encouraged him, said, God has delivered your enemy into your hands. And David repeatedly said, he's the Lord's anointed. I will not touch the Lord's anointed. And as wrong as Saul was, David respected his position as king and would not lay his hand on him. There's one last one and we're done. Submit based on Christ's example. 
Doesn't mean that Paul should have submitted. Doesn't mean that at times, listen, there are times though, there are times when a husband should submit in regard to what his wife is saying. You know when some of those times are? And unfortunately it's more often than not because sometimes she's right. But we're so thick skull. And sometimes the issue is so non-essential in terms of life and your relationship and your family that why in the world are you just so thick skull and trying to get your way? Sometimes you ought to just say, you know, it's just not worth it. And because I love her and because of Christ's example, I'm going to stop the dispute and I'm going to agree with her and I'm going to give her the kitchen instead of the boat. I did that with my wife a few years ago. Let's not get into that one. Every time I look in the granite countertop, I see the new boat. But you know, Lord, and you will redeem. There are times when you're in a dispute with somebody else, when if you really think about it, it's really not worth it to win the fight. Sometimes it's better just to say, you know what, even though I totally believe I'm right and they're wrong, to keep the peace, to keep the peace. Sometimes when you submit repeatedly over time, you, um, sometimes you can lose it. I'm not going to ask you if you heard the story or not, because I'm just going to tell it. I don't care. Stumpy and Martha, they were sweethearts, very young, not married. They go to the fair every year together. One year, there's a new ride at the fair. It's an airplane ride. And Stumpy says to Martha, Martha, let's ride that airplane. Martha, because they don't have a lot of money. Martha says, Stumpy, that airplane ride is $10 and $10. And so this goes on for two, three years. And uh, finally, the pilot, he's heard them dispute this thing every year. And Martha won't give in. And he goes over finally to Stumpy. And now they're married. Now they're a married, young married couple. And he says, look, I've been listening to you guys. Here's what I'll make you a deal. I'll give you a ride in the airplane as long as you guys don't argue and don't even make any noise. You just, you just be peaceful. Be quiet. No charge. Stumpy looked at Martha. What's she going to say? They get in the airplane. He takes off. But this pilot, he wants his money. So he thinks, I'm just going to dive real deep and pull it up real hard and they'll make some noise back there and I'll give them a $10. He does. Nothing. He turns around, heads back to the field. He does a deeper dive, a bigger yank, still nothing. He lands the plane. He goes over to Stumpy. He says, I don't understand it, but a deal's a deal. No charge. Stumpy says, well, I was going to say something back there when Martha fell out, but $10 is $10. (laughs) Now, here's the truth. And if you're not laughing, you have no sense of humor at all. And, And here's the truth. There is no greater blessing to a church, a nation, a people, a community, a city and peace, and unity. Better a dry crust with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. I would read it, but for the sake of time, I'll give it to you for your homework. You can read it in about 20 seconds or less. Psalm 133, very short psalm. Thank you. Some of you are writing that down. God bless you. You're actually going to do it. You get 100 plus. Psalm 133. Basically, it says, you know what the blessing of the Lord is? You know where the anointing of the Lord is? It's when there's unity and there's peace. That's where the blessing and the anointing of the Lord is. Jesus said, any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined and a house divided against itself will not stand. Paul wrote in Romans, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, I don't have any doubt that God's spoken very personally to some today. Husbands, wives, wives, Parents, children, children, parents. 
brothers and sisters in Christ, bosses, principals, whatever, wherever, whatever. But as far as it depends on you, what, what would you need to do as we leave here that there might be peace? been listening to another edition of The Living Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel Fellowship. Thanks for joining us. Have you been enjoying this study in the book of Acts? If so, Pastor Danny has more to share from this series, and we hope that you'll tune in to hear about it. Acts is a powerful book full of incredible things that God did in the early church. Isn't it amazing how he uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things? With that in mind, open your heart up to the call that God has on your life. He's gifted you with incredible things that can impact his kingdom in mighty ways. If God can use Paul, he can use you too. If you'd like to hear more of Pastor Danny's messages from this series in the book of Acts, visit ccfstpete.church. Once you're there, click on the media tab and you'll be able to find an archive of past teachings. If you live in or near the St. Petersburg area, we would love to meet you. Visit us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship on Saturdays at 6 p.m. or Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. for a time of worship and Bible study. You can find out more by going to our website, ccfstpete.church. If you're unable to join us in person, no worries. We offer a live stream of our weekend services. Just visit our website and click on the link in the menu. We're glad to know that you're a part of our listening audience, and we hope that you'll continue to desire and search out and study the living word. The power.